Welcome back. It is Encounter with God time here on The Breakfast Show. About to get into our Bible study. We've got uh, Hebrews chapter 13 coming up. Before we do, we have a 400-point question for our quiz. All right, for 400 points, how many pieces of silver did Judas Iscariot receive for betraying Jesus? 0491064669 is the number to call if you know the answer. If you do know the answer, you can win yourself a book from our selection of bargain books, or you can get those points on the board and continue to work your way through the quiz. But again, that question was, how many pieces of silver did Judas Iscariot receive for betraying Jesus? All right, so heading over to text messages, this is what you had to say this morning. We love to hear from our listeners, so do send your text messages through um, so that we can share them here, or just simply give us a call. Mm. If you've got something you'd like to comment on the Bible study, then jump in and do share. Uh, first one says, in relationship to the uh, woman who set the record for rowing across the Atlantic Ocean, mm-hmm. what's your definition of woman? Don't you know that we have been told that you can't call her that? I'm not a biologist. It's now a person. <laughs> oh, you're not a biologist. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Uh, it's now a person. Kidding aside, that's a real record. What a real woman. Oh, dude, that's so awesome. It's just epic. Okay, the John Deere tractor and self-driven tractors who need humans. In the future, we can expect farming will be mostly automated. Well, it's very, very automated right now. Already, yeah. And <laughs> just getting more and more automated mm-hmm. as every day that goes by. Will Smith in the slap, don't you think this is great acting? After all, it is the Oscars. I think it was an Oscar award and a marketing ploy. Nah. Satan at his best. Most people make their actors their gods. To me, it was just psychological warfare and it worked. I didn't think it was fake because it made the Oscars look bad. It made the Oscars look really bad. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it made a lot of people look really bad. Because, I mean, there's so many other things that you could get kicked out of. Yeah, because we've been, to be honest, like we've been talking about it a bunch in the break because we've we're been comparing to... it with all the other celebrities who have been cancelled for much lesser mm. offences. Yeah, and it's it's like, oh man, like this guy gets a standing ovation. Yeah, like if it's essentially like the only the only thing that it did for me was that it um, I recognised that the Oscars still happened every year because I'd so forgotten about the Oscars that I was like, is that even a thing still? Yeah. Now I know it's still a thing. And I had watched none of those movies, which were like... Because then I looked at the results and stuff, and I'm like, oh, man, I don't know any of these. <laughs> like, anyway. that won rewards. Uh, moving on to Charlie Kirk and the Sabbath, a gift from God stopping us from going insane in this crazy world. It is a hedge for God's people. Amen. Mm. Praise God. Uh, Sue Burke's Asian Aid. Um, and I did say that we would uh, mention asianaid.org.au is where you get in contact with them to support the work that they are doing. Mm. Um, and uh, female prolapse, 600,000 women suffer in silence. Ugh, this is so yeah. sad. Imagine suffering with this problem and then on top of that the husband leaving them. Praise the Lord for Asian Aid. You surely follow the master's footsteps. God bless you and may have... May he supply all your needs. But it does raise a question. What do the Nepalese men do if the women do all the heavy lifting? There's a question that went through my mind as well. Uh, maybe somebody who has uh, spent extensive time in uh, Nepal can answer that question for us. Um, definitely a very different culture to what we have in the West. Okay, so we've got a few more coming through here. Braden has this to say, very telling when violence is appropriate to high-profile people. Mm. Very very sad when you see the result of promotion of violence with incidents like these, uh, like those of Hannah Clark. 
Sad world we live in. Thankfully, God is in control and all will be restored soon. I think he raises a really important question there because if you take the Hannah Clark uh, incident or you take the incident that um, you know there was a guy who was jailed uh, yesterday just here in the city of Newcastle because he stabbed his ex-girlfriend to death. Oh, I saw that. It's like really yeah. horrific stuff. Yeah. I mean, she, she died with her one-year-old baby in her arms mm. um, on the front lawn of her home. Yeah. And, uh, you know, all of these guys will say that love, love drove me to it. Yeah, 100%. Mm. Across the board, they will all say the same thing that Will Smith said. Mm. Um, they're going to get a jail term yeah. for it, not an Oscar. But, you know... <sighs> It's yeah, just, this is the thing. I think it's just the because it's a famous person, because of the context, and and you know we talk kind of like the debate online is like whether Chris Rock deserved it or not because he was being rude or whatever it may be. Um, but but ultimately, I feel like yeah, when when people have the opinion that oh no, you know he should have done that, he's protecting his girl. Like it's just such a misapplied form of like yes. standing up for someone. It's That's like right. no, like this isn't right. Like this is this is not okay. Good, sane, sober, moral human beings use words, not violence. Mm. And that's what we need to remember and that's what we always need to remember and that's what we need to practice. Love does not make you do it. The other person does not make you do it. You, what you do, you choose to do. <laughs> it's it's purely it's to say love made me do it just reflects a pure lack of self control. Yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. and zero personal responsibility. Oh, totally. It's like it wasn't me because because when you say love made, you can say anger made me do it, or the hatred made me do it, or happiness. Made I was me do made it. to do it. I didn't have a choice. Yeah, you exactly. had a choice. Yeah, you absolutely had a That's choice. You, bro. This whole message that is coming out of this is um, is. Awful on yeah. every, from every perspective. Yeah, man. About Will Smith, a clear example of how idolizing people not only not only affects us but also affects the idolized. Mm. Will Smith and celebrities in general are given this heightened sense of power and negative energy by our constant propping them up on a pedestal. Mm. I hope he gets the help he needs. Yeah, this is true. That's a really good. Mm. Um, that's a really good comment from Michael. Michael, you get uh, text of the day today. Uh, for making that comment because, you know, we're down on Will Smith here this morning, rightfully so, and we really need to remember that he is a human being as well who needs our prayers. Totally. Because he is obviously struggling with some stuff that, you know, we might not be struggling with ourselves in this moment. Mm-hmm. But there is a danger of us making ourselves feel better and feeling more moral because we can point the finger at somebody else and somebody else who is in a high-profile position who has done something terrible and think, oh, we would never do such a thing as that, but how many of us have done so? Mm -hmm. We need to use this incident not as an opportunity to bag on Will Smith as much as we need to use this as an opportunity to learn ourselves and we need to pray for the guy. Dude, totally. That actually makes me think. Like, that's a, that's a really good point. And and the reality is, like, we are both perpetrators and victims of sin in in this world. Like, like as in, yeah. It, it, like, I'm not I'm not trying to then say, oh, Will Smith is a victim, but he's also like, if if any of you guys have like followed Will Smith and his relationship with his wife over the last couple of years, when like they've done all these interviews and stuff, it's like it's like really toxic and awful anyway. Like, I can imagine, like, they're just in a really terrible place. And I'm like, that that isn't to excuse him from his actions, but it's like, man, this guy actually 
clearly like his actions yeah, are a there's, reflection there's, there's of, other stuff there there is other brokenness there is other yeah trauma that is in that relationship i think it's yeah it's ultimately yeah his actions are a reflection of that trauma and, and trauma is never an excuse for violence and, yeah and but so it's like will smith get help yep. please like yes. we 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 that's right get the help you need we love you please get help yep mm. absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely and you know and it goes along with um you know he he, he commented that denzel Washington had said to him, you know, a few minutes um, after this happened, he said, you know, at your highest moment, be careful, that's when the devil comes for you. Mm. And, you know, there's so many lessons that we can learn from a high-profile mess up like this. Mm. And that's an important one for us as well because, you know, when you reach that highest point, that is when the devil strikes and he strikes hard. We've seen it over and over again. I know I've experienced that. Mm. You know, you reach a high point in your Christian experience and Bam, the devil comes, you mm. know. And the story of Elijah is a classic of that. Um, so thank you for sending those text messages through. Uh, would love to hear your thoughts on this story and other stories that we've covered this morning. Would also love to hear your thoughts on the Bible study as we get into Hebrews chapter 13. Um, so let's head over there now and let's immerse ourselves in the Word of God. Uh, let's start with Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1, and let's see whether this verse is appropriate to the conversation we have just been having. Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. In my translation, it simply says, let brotherly love continue. continue. Mm. And on a morning like this morning when you've got a high-profile celebrity that we have, you know, we've all enjoyed his contribution to entertainment at various times and in various ways, who messes up like this, it's a reminder to us mm. to let brotherly love continue. Mm-hmm. That was not something that was happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, so many lessons that we can learn from this. And what an appropriate verse to begin our Bible study with as we get into Hebrews chapter 13 this morning here on The Breakfast Show. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So Hebrews chapter thirteen is an interesting chapter. It almost, it almost have a has a proverbsy kind of a feel to it. Oh, dude, I'm just reading through these verses, and uh, like I love Hebrews. Obviously, I love Hebrews chapter twelve. That's my favorite chapter. But Hebrews chapter thirteen is amazing as well. It's like so. Con- it's very conclusive. You know, Paul is kind of summarizing a bunch of critical major high key you know ideas and yes. then and then putting them into really just practical language yes. and sharing hey you should you should do a bunch of things like it's like hey i've i've just taught you why it's so important to to follow jesus jesus's role in the ministry of the sanctuary the old covenant and the new covenant you know how you should stand up to trials like all of these really gnarly things and then he's like yeah let let brotherly love continue and because jesus died for you and he is your mediator let brotherly love continue mm. entertain strangers uh, don't sleep around um <laughs> uh, you know and don't be covetous you know he just sort of like <laughs> Is just hitting all of these high points as he goes through, isn't mm. he? Oh, it's awesome. Well, like the very next verse. I yes. love this verse. It's like, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without even realizing it. Like he's just, he's like, be have hospitable. You, have, <laughs> have you ever had this happen? Well, I entertain angels? Without realizing it? Well, I've definitely been hospitable before, so potentially. Have you ever entertained angels without knowing it? Well, I guess I'll find out one day. I'll find out one day. That's right. If you have, you wouldn't know it. That's kind of the whole point, isn't it? That's right. That's right. How can you answer that question? (laughs) 
you just <laughs> you just like serving someone some food, and then out of out of nowhere, an angel just appears before you and just like winks. And he's like, "Yeah, good job," and then like disappears. Oh, like, I, but then you have not entertained <laughs> angels unawares. You have entertained angels aware, aware. That's so true. it doesn't count. That doesn't count. <laughs> so this so is where funny. this is where Paul really sets us up to be hospitable, mm-hmm. because. If it was one of those situations where Paul says, you know, always be hospitable because you might get the opportunity to entertain an angel, we would keep our eyes out for angels like, oh, there's an angel. I will uh, be hospitable to that angel. Mm. But he's like, you have no idea whether you ever have or ever will, and if you do, you will never know until heaven mm-hmm. because the whole point of it is it's unaware. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, be hospitable. But also, like, this is in the point, like, I think the, the underlying foundational point is let brotherly love continue. Like, as it says in yes. the previous Well, that's verse, the foundation of this whole chapter. It's it's like, hey, actually, yeah, you might be entertaining angels, which is like a cool bonus, which you won't know about until heaven, but your actual goal and objective is to let brotherly love continue. Yes. Like, to show hospitality and to be hospitable and to love people, um, because that is what you've been called to as a follower of Jesus, which again, with Hebrews being essentially Paul's sermon to Hebrew people who are either in the decision phase or hearing about Christ for the first time or have become Christian, is is a real kind of backflip on on what they they know and they have been crack, practicing as Hebrews because up until this point, uh, at least you know by the time Jesus come around, like they've just created this like really insular culture where they treat everyone terribly except Jews. They're like, oh, there is no brotherly love amongst people. It's just like, just treat everyone terribly, live in a hierarchy and show respect or be shunned. Whereas like, hey, no, like be hospitable to everyone. Like this is your calling now. You are now under Christ. That's right. Mm. All right. Verse three. Let's read verse three. It says, remember those in prison. Wow. Uh, As if you were there yourself. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. Okay, so uh, should we really take that much care for people in prison? And after all, don't they deserve to be there? Mm, Well, like, well, I guess this kind of... What did Jesus say? I was in prison Mm. and you visited me. Wow. But aren't these people the enemies of society? Wow. Why should we go and visit the enemies of society? Mm -hmm. Mm. You know, these are awful people who have done awful things. I mean, we think about, you know, the young guy here in Newcastle, 22 years old, he's going to get... Uh, a, a, a life term, you know, 25 yeah. years or so for uh, for murdering his ex-girlfriend, you know, we would say that this person is a very, very bad person. Should we be taking our time and our energy to visit somebody like that in prison? Well, according to this verse, like, yes. Absolutely, mm. we should. And we should be, you know, and I think in this verse, um, he's particularly talking about people who are in prison for their faith. Mm-hmm. You know, the context definitely gives it gives it that uh, that aspect, but at the same time, you know, Jesus talks about you know I was in prison mm. and you visited me. Mm. What does that actually mean? Does that actually mean that we only visit people in prison who are in prison for their faith? Does that mean we only visit people who are in prison who are Christians? Mm. No, the Bible says that we are to minister, and this is an important ministry, prison ministry. We are to minister to people regardless of whether they are a bad person or not. Mm. We are to minister to people because they are a person. Mm-hmm. And we need to think of people in the Bible like that did terrible things. Yeah, King David, for instance, did terrible, terrible things. Mm. Abraham did some terrible things. 
There's lots of people in the Bible who did terrible things and found and experienced the grace of God and found and experienced forgiveness for having done those terrible things and came back to God. And how many how many testimonies have we heard of people who have found God while in prison? Mm. I used to work for the Adventist Discovery Center, um, which does uh, correspondence and online Bible studies. And, uh, you know, doing those Bible studies, you know, we're operating right across the South Pacific Division. Uh, A large portion of the people that we had as students doing those courses were people who were in prison. Wow. And the stories that they would share and the conversion that they would experience and the new life that they would have and how they would reject their old life of violence and, and, and crime and come to a new life in Jesus Christ. I mean, these are powerful testimonies mm. that we would hear because people are studying the Word of God and because somebody was reaching out to those people. Mm. These are not people that we should be ignoring. These are people that we need to be reaching out to and ministering to. Mm. And I think as we say, like, oh, you know, isn't this only Christians? And you could say, oh, you know, when when Jesus says, I was in prison and you and you visited me, it's like, oh, isn't this isn't this just talking about, uh, you know, those who reflect Jesus or represent Jesus? Um, but it's Jesus who said, like, dude, loving loving your friends, like this is as evil people do, but loving your enemies, like this is. This is what God is calling you to do. Like loving your neighbor means even those who mistreat you uh, spitefully. And and it says here as well, in as we just read in, in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 3, it says, um, remember those who are being mistreated. And so it's like, oh, yes, treat those who are being mistreated, you know, well. Uh, but it's also like, <laughs> it, it also like according to the words of Jesus, it's also those who mistreat. And so... We we have a responsibility. Now, what is that? I guess the the question is, oh, what does that look like? Does that look like enabling people who mistreat others? No. Enabling your enemies to do terrible things by being nice to them and re- responding it's only with, like, like, submission to when they treat you terribly? It's like, no. Because I talk about various people here from time to time on the show and things that they have done, really awful, terrible mm. things, yeah, pedophiles and so forth. And I will, I will st- gladly stand up and vote for them to be thrown in prison and the key thrown away. Yeah, and so does the Bible, by the way. And so does the Bible. (laughs) You know, we're not about enabling crime, Mm -hmm. but once they're in prison and the key has been thrown away, does that mean that we don't visit them? Does that mean that we don't minister to them? Does that mean that we don't lead them to Christ? Absolutely not. Yeah, they've done something violent and dangerous enough to... to to warrant for, never being in society. Again. Yeah, they've forfeited their right to be in society. Yes. But simultaneously, they have the opportunity to know Christ. Absolutely. And to repent. Because just as murder is a sin, so is lying and covetousness. Yes. And, like, the reality is just because you haven't killed someone doesn't mean you're a sinner. And so, like, just as we who are on the outside deserve to know Christ uh, because he's given his life for us, so do those on the inside. Absolutely. Yeah, we, have such a, we have such a mission. This is awesome. We certainly do. Let's move to the next little uh, proverb-like statement that we have here in Hebrews 13. That Says, is verse 4. Give honor to marriage. Amen. And remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Okay. So the, in mine it says, marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled. Wow. Which is a great passage because... Paul is talking about sex mm. and how sex is a wonderful thing in the marriage context mm-hmm. and something to be enjoyed by the, you know, the married people. Mm-hmm. 
and then, of course, he goes on and uh, gives it some context and says, okay, outside of the marriage covenant, that's a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. Don't ever do that. That is immoral. That is sinful. And God will judge people who mm-hmm. do that. Uh, so, you know, the Bible's pretty plain on these things. It's not hard to understand. It's pretty black and white. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right, 500 points. Roast, let's let's roast Lyle this morning. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's have some. You know, because you, guys, you guys get roast, here on the mic. Roast, roast Lyle's disabilities because... Lyle's eyes are not as good as Lyle's eyes used to be before. I mean, just come on. But I'm not an optometrist. So, uh, <laughs> oh, <no>. All right. <laughs> Five hundred points. <laughs> In what city did Peter raise Dorcas to life? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. I love this story, by the way. I I I could just about give you chapter and verse on where this is. Uh, but again, that question is: In what city did Peter raise Dorcas to life? If you know the answer, you can win our book for today, which is an epic book. I'm actually preaching about this. I am preaching about this on this this weekend on Sabbath. You know, Newcastle University Adventist Church. I'm preaching about this. The title of this book is called In Granite or Ingrained. The title of my sermon is, is written on their hearts, which is very similar. Uh, because it's about, you know, what the old and new covenants reveal about the gospel, the law, and the Sabbath by Skip McCarthy. Cool. This is literally exactly what I'm talking about. 0491-064-669. This is a topic that I love. Uh, but again, that question was, in what city did Peter raise Dorcas to life? And if you don't want to go along and hear uh, Lawson talk about it, you can, of course, head over to Raymond Terrace and listen to Lyle talk about 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Nah, don't listen to Lyle. (laughs) (laughs) The love of this order is you have great options for this weekend. If you are anywhere in the Hunter, Newcastle, Port Stephens area. Central Coast. Central Coast. North Coast. Victoria, Brisbane. Look, we come literally come from anywhere. There is options. Yeah. There is options. We would love to meet you. We would love to uh, mm-hmm. love to have you join us. Okay, so where are we up to here? Uh, let's see here. We okay, read verse so four. verse five verse is five. all about wealth. Oh yes. Okay, and what it does is verse five. What Paul's going to do here is, if you ever wanted to be wealthy, Lawson, mm-hmm. yeah, you wanted to be. We all want to be wealthy. Let's let's be realistic. I'm chasing the bag. We we say. always we always think about you know you see those big um, you know lotto numbers at times and think oh what would I do if I won 120 million dollars you know, I'd spend a million here I'd spend a million there I'd spend you know, and, you, and you start spending in your mind I'd give all of it to the daydream. to the Maitland Church roof fund. Yes, they need a new roof. Um, <laughs> we put a new, new roof on the uh, Maitland Adventist Church. Thankfully, you can't see it from the street, but if you climb on the roof, it's um. Definitely struggling, particularly in all this rain, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. You know, but there's lots of good causes out there. Um, and we think about, you know, what we would do if we had money and we had wealth. Well, Paul is about to tell you how to have the most amount of wealth that it is possible to have here on this earth. And he's going to tell it to you in one verse. Ah, oh, guys, are you ready? Yes, yeah, so here it comes. So if you ever wanted to be wealthy, it is really simple. And you can have all of the wealth that you ever want. Today, by following this verse. All right. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Is it possible to have more wealth than contentment? Uh, No. No. That's an impossibility. As human beings, what do we want? We always want, well, a little bit more. But it is actually impossible to be wealthier than a content person. 
Because the reason we always want a little bit more is because we want to be content. Mm. And we think, well, if I had, you know, an extra $50,000 this year, I would be content. If I had an extra $100,000, if I had an extra million dollars this year, I would be content. Mm-hmm. The devil does not want us to be content. Paul says, don't be coveting money. Mm-hmm. Be content. Mm. Why? Because once you have reached contentment, you have achieved wealth. Mm. Untold wealth. All right. Then the last half of this verse is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Yeah, for sure. Uh, What's the last half of the verse say? Well, in my Bible it says, For God has said, I will never fail you, I will never abandon you. All right. In my Bible it says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Mm. So that's pretty important right there. That, you know, we have this promise. There are often, you know, people who are afraid, you know, well, maybe God will leave me here or maybe God will leave me there or maybe when probation closes, God will leave me and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll be without God. No, you will never be without God. Mm. You will never be without Jesus. He will always be there. He will never leave you. He will never forsake mm. you. That is his black and white promise. Mm-hmm. All right. Why don't you read for us verse 6 and tell us all about it. In verse 6 it says, So we can say with confidence... The Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Tell us all about this one. Oh, tell tell us all about it. Well, it's clear, like, on the the last verse, it's like, yes, you can be content uh, and be perfectly happy, uh, not within it of yourself, but because you have God. Yes. Like, because the reality is, is we are bankrupt as people, whether it be morally or or in terms of contentment or love or money or whatever. Like, we are consistently struggling and always chasing and striving uh, because that that's who we are. Uh, but with God, we can, we can be content because he supplies everything and then it continues on. And it's like, so when any of those trials or challenges or, you know, and it could even be in the context of a, of a person who is rising up against you, it's like, again, it's saying here, you know, the Lord is my helper, so I'll have no fear. Like what can more mere people do to me? Mm, like absolutely. what can someone take away from me if I have God? That's right. Nothing. Like, yeah, that's right. All right, Braden says this. He says, "Take God at His word. Vengeance is mine. We are called. We are not called to retaliate. We are called to live at peace with our fellow men." Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I think this this statement uh, is probably in the context of the news story that is the <laughs> news story today. The news story. Uh, um, Chris Rock and Will Smith. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, I guess Chris Rock. Did get to turn the other cheek this time, didn't he? Well, he got he turned a cheek anyway, got it slapped. But um, yeah, and the Bible says that vengeance is mine. Uh-huh. You know, it belongs to God, uh-huh. and let God sort it out. Uh, Chris says this: we are all sinners, mm. and deserve the penalty of death. Amen. We are all sinners in need of God's grace, uh, and you know it does. And I think that's possibly in the context of we were talking about, you know, ministering to people in prison and so forth. Prison ministry, we. We look down on these people at times as like, oh, they're lesser human beings because they're really bad people and we have very little sympathy for them. But we've got to remember them. Every single one of them is a blood-bought, personally created child of God Mm. and that God wants to save that person and God wants to have that person in heaven with him for eternity. All right, now we continue on as we work our way through chapter 13. Let's go to verse 7. It says, Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. 
Okay, so we are told to follow the example of faith of our leaders. Mm. Now, if you were to take this verse on its own without reading the next verse, uh-huh. that could end up you in a bit of trouble. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay, so we look at what events that have been happening in Hillsong recently. Yikes. Yikes. You know, and, and Hillsong is continuing to implode as a result of that, and that's not going to stop anytime soon. People are going to write podcasts about this. Mm. It's going to bring the Word of God into disrepute. Uh, there are people who are going to lose their faith in God as a result of what is happening, you know, with Hillsong. Totally. Paul says that we should we should follow our leaders. Well, what's, it, what's going on? Uh, here? It specifically says here uh, in verse seven. It says, uh, "Follow their examples of their faith, of their faith, mm. not their examples of their sin." Yeah, yes, because the reality is that all human leaders are humans, mm. and then the Bible says in the next verse, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday today and forever. And that's where the context comes in. Mm. We're to follow our leaders' faith as they are followers of Jesus. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. It is The Breakfast Show. It is time for a question of the day. We've got a doozy today. Before we go to it, we have answers for our quiz. For 100 points, the answer was tax collector. For 200 points, the answer was Joseph. 300 ate it. 430. And for 500 points, the answer, where did, what city did Peter raise Dorcas to life? It was Joppa. But right now, it is time for... Question of the day. All right, our question of the day is a very historical one, and it's simply this. What... Uh, impact did Diocletian have on Christian history? Okay, so I love it when you ask history questions, and this one's an interesting one. So Diocletian was a Roman emperor uh, from AD 284 to 305. He was somebody who was born a peasant, so it's not typical for a peasant to become an emperor. Basically, as a very young child, possibly around the age of eight, He joined the army and lived with the army from that point forward his entire life. He was quite an elderly person by the time he came to be emperor. But he's distinguished himself on the battlefield over and over again and rose through the ranks of the army, not because of his high birth, but because of his military prowess. Uh, Eventually, when uh, Marcus Aurelius uh, Carus died, and it's interesting uh, how he died, they were on military campaign Uh, in the east against the uh, Sassanid Empire. And we don't know exactly how he died, but the army was given orders to march back towards Rome. They had not defeated the the Sassanids. They were had not seen the emperor for quite a number of days. He was being carried on a very large litter. His tent was on a litter that was being carried by men. And after having not seen him for a fair while, some people started to suspect that there was a plot afoot and that maybe the emperor was dead, so they broke into the tent, found that he'd been dead for quite a while, and they murdered those who had been trying to cover it up. Pretty much what was happening, they wanted to get the body of the emperor back to Rome so that they could secure the emperorship for themselves uh, before anybody found out that the emperor had actually died. Uh, To cut a long story short, the army then sat down and said, well, what do we do now? The emperor is dead. We need a new emperor. And they voted Diocletian into the position of being emperor. And so uh, Diocletian became emperor 
well, that's that's how he became emperor by being chosen because of his military prowess. Now, because of his peasant upbringing, he was unbelievably superstitious, and so as a result of that, he what what broke out was the Diocletian persecution, which was the most severe persecution uh, that Christianity ever faced from three hundred three to three thirteen. Ten years of persecution. It was such a significant persecution that is actually referenced in Revelation chapter two. Uh, in the letter to the church of uh, Smyrna, you'll find the 10-year persecution mentioned there as 10 days of persecution, days symbolizing a year. But he saw Christianity uh, and its monotheistic beliefs as being an affront to Rome's pantheon of deities. Uh, he saw Christianity as being a strange foreign cult that destabilized the empire and believed the empire should just have one form of religion. And he recognized that pretty much the empire did have one form of religion. They worshipped the same gods but under different names except for Jesus who was vastly different. And, of course, he was afraid that if he tolerated Christianity, uh, the Roman gods would get upset and bring disaster to his empire. So these were some of the things that were motivating him to uh, to to persecute Christians. The interesting thing here is you need to understand the ancient world's attitude towards religion because the Romans typically, wherever they went, would license the religions of the people they conquered. And the reason that they were would license the religions of the people that they conquered was because they believed that if my army was able to overcome your army, that was because my gods were stronger than your gods. And if my gods are stronger than your gods, then I have nothing to fear from your gods, so go ahead and worship them. Okay, so how are they ever going to test that theory against Christianity? You see, every other god was a national god. If you wanted to test the Egyptian gods, you go to war with Egypt. If you wanted to test the Greek gods, you go to war with Greece. If you want to test the Persian gods or the Germanic gods or the British gods, you go to war against those countries. Which country are you going to fight with Christianity? Because Christianity was the first international religion that had crossed every national barrier, every language barrier that there was, and infected the entire empire. And so it was seen as so much of a greater threat, hence the greater persecution that Christianity suffered. And as you go through your day, don't forget to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. For being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1 800 Faith FM.